We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 373 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and Jake Fenner from Bavarian Football Works has returned to talk all things Lewandowski. Now, Jake, last time you were on, it was because Bayern Munich was about to very much get the better of Barcelona, I'll admit that. And this time, though, it's because Barca may have gotten the better of Bayern Munich, but even that's up for debate. We'll talk about that on today's show. So aside from the Robert Lewandowski stuff, though, which is the main focus of the show, How's it going in both your world, Jake, and the world of Bavarian sports? Things are going well. Things are going well with me. I mean, we just did come off winning another Bundesliga title, our 10th in a row, which is which is a lot of fun. Bayern themselves just uh, came off of winning 6-2 over DC United, which uh, which I was there for in Washington. That was a lot of fun to, uh, to be a part of. Uh, they now fly to Green Bay to play at Lambeau Field against uh, Manchester City. So after that, they fly back to Germany and they take on Leipzig in the DFL Super Cup. So after that, the season starts. So that's what's been going on for for Bayern, at least in terms of games recently. Well, I'd also say losing Lewandowski. Yeah, that's something. But also picking up the Licht in the last week, Sadio Mane in the last Mm -hmm. month. So yeah, it hasn't been, to say, a a tough transfer window for Bayern. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Instead of starting, well, we're going to start with Lewandowski here. So instead of starting with all the fluffy stuff about Lewandowski, about his muscles and about the, the, the push-ups and all that stuff, yada, yada. I want to get to the drama of the transfer itself first. I wanted, I would obviously assume a good portion of the negativity that I kept seeing the quote, we don't want you anymore anyway, unquote energy that I kept seeing from Bayern fans surrounding the transfer. But I did see some stuff that there may have been some drama with him before all of this, where he may have had a bit of a reputation as a diva striker prior to this whole transfer. Is there any truth to that? I don't know if there's truth to that. That's all rumor and speculation coming from the locker room. But what we do know is this. Around the summer of last year, Robert Lewandowski said that he wanted to eventually leave Bayern Munich within the next two years. Now, That time period is important because at the time his contract was expiring in 2023. So we were not sure if he'd be interested in re-signing that contract, staying for another two years after this season, maybe one year after this season, we weren't sure exactly. And then 
this summer, obviously, it all came to a head. He said, I want to leave the club. I want to go to Barcelona. Now, why Barcelona? I'm not exactly sure. I think that we're talking about a club that has uh, utilized itself more of a you, you, I know that the saying Meshkeon Club is a thing, but at this point, it's really more than a club. It's a brand. And the Barcelona brand to world footballers is so enticing that we're talking about a club that is able to somehow pull out endless resources while also being a billion dollars in debt. And I think that's a fair thing to criticize because we can talk about how they spent a ludicrous amount of money on Rafinha from Leeds. And we can talk about how they spent a large sum of money on on Robert Lewandowski while also having to sell the naming rights to one of the most historic stadia in all of Europe, if not the entire world, especially considering the importance of Barcelona in the pantheon of the European and the world's game. But they've had to change sponsors on their shirt as well. They've had to try to uh, do things like giving away portions of their TV rights to certain teams, right? They're trying to come up with much as much money as they possibly can. They're basically doing everything they possibly can except for selling players because we know that if they wanted to do that, the Young's deal probably could have gone through already. Osman Dembele definitely would not have gotten a large new contract for another couple of years. The team would try to move players as much as possible, if not to recoup some money, but more to get people off of their payroll. Well, I would and say so, if, Byron, if Byron does want Frankie de Young, I can tell you that Barcelona are willing to move him. The issue is that his salary and wages go way up in the next two seasons. And that's something that Barcelona, yeah. I mean, uh, that Byron certainly would not be happy with that wage structure. It's funny though, too, Jake, you, you didn't even mention that they sold their soul to the Goldman Sachs loan. I think of all the other things and naming Richard and all that, I think I kind of, I kind of hinted at that, but that's, that's the one that really hurts, but right. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I mean, I would, I would even boil it down brand wise to beaches. It's not really the, I mean, it was in the inflated salary for quite some time there with the wages, but even the wages aren't going to be insane with the new structure that Barcelona have, but yeah, certainly just the beaches and uh, I would also say taxes. As crazy as it sounds, like the business of footballers going to Spain means you pay less taxes. And so you live on the Barcelona beaches in his 30s with his kids. Like there are, there are private schools in the Barcelona, in the city of Barcelona. I mean, there's private schools everywhere, but you know, Lewandowski, it's a fine city to raise a, a family. And I think Lewandowski is looking, and all these footballers are looking at that. They're looking at that Barcelona is one of the best cities in the world just simply to live in, especially if you can choose where you're going to live. And it's certainly probably one of the main reasons why Frankie de Young is like, oh, you want me to go to Manchester where it's raining all the time? And my my uh, long-term partner certainly does not want to go there at all. But so back to focusing on Lewandowski a little bit here. I, like I even saw Bayern fans saying that he's not a legend at the club. And, and I think, again, you're too sensible to kind of buy into that. I mean, he did score. Yeah, that's not that's not yeah, even yeah. close to reality. <laughs> right. He's got 344 goals for the club, second only to the late, great Gerd Mueller and a ways ahead of former teammate, now Thomas Mueller, who sits in third. So, yeah, obviously, this is not really a question. Sounds like a legend to me. But I think the real argument is going to be, depending on what he does in two years or three years at Barcelona, if he's ever going to be quote-unquote legend status there, in the same way that I think ideally where he's going to fit in the pantheon of Barcelona players is going to be a lot like a Terry Henry, where you go, well, that guy, of course, that dude is a legend of the game forever and ever and ever. Mm -hmm. But he certainly was always going to have been better someplace else. And I, I think right. 
where he's oddly going to fit in the Barcelona thing. Again, if he delivers and is actually playing on the field, which we'll talk about later. But Exactly. I feel like his maximum could be Samuel Eto'o in that he was a great striker that was great in multiple places and just happened to have one of those places be Barcelona. In terms of the fans and their fans' reaction, I think it's less that they legitimately want Lewandowski to leave. I think it's just a lot of people are really confused and concerned why he would want to leave the club in the first place, because, you know, we can all talk about, Oh, like we can call the Bundesliga, the farmer's league as much as it want as, as much as we want. It's not, I think most people will say that it is, but it's not, it's a very competitive league down from below Bayern Munich's standpoint, but to talk specifically about Bayern Munich, right? Lewandowski has gone from 2012 to this year, which includes the two years that he was at Dortmund with winning a trophy every single year. He now moves to a club that has a tradition of winning trophies, but doesn't really seem that poised to do so. They'll be poised to challenge at least in the Copa del Rey and of course in La Liga, but to win, that's that's an entirely different thing in terms of the course of the season, especially considering how strong Real are, how strong still Atleti are, uh, how teams like Villarreal are able to kind of sneak up on them. It's it's going to be tough to see that potentially happening, or at least that guarantee of Lewandowski winning a trophy every year continuing through. And I think that the fans are kind of felt a little hard done buy it because the team loved him. The team tried to do everything they possibly could to get him to stay. And by that, I mean, they waited until the last possible minute to do so. It was very much me in college with my effort on essays. I did everything I possibly could the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, Hassan Salihamidzic, uh, also known as Brazzo, the sporting director at Bayern Munich, seemed very intent on getting Erling Haaland and convincing him to stay in the Bundesliga by coming to Bayern Munich. He failed in doing that. And in his failure to do that, not only did he fail to secure the next generation of number nine striker for Bayern Munich, he also repeatedly through his actions spat in the face of the current number nine striker they had, who was still one of the best players in the world, if not the best striker overall in the world. His his failure to truly encapsulate that and secure that, I feel, is more of an issue that Bayern fans should be taking up than Lewandowski actually leaving. Because it would be one thing if Lewandowski told the board, I want to leave, and they said, okay, we have somebody in the pipeline. We're all set. It's another thing to kind of just posture and tell Lewandowski, oh, yeah, we don't have a plan beyond you. While also having every rumor leak out of the Sebenerstrasse, where Bayern is headquartered, that, oh, yeah, we want to go and get Erling Haaland. It was very two-faced, and Bayern kind of ends up with egg on its face because right now we don't have a very clear number nine striker. We have a lot of players that can score goals, but nobody who can occupy anything similar to the role that Robert Lewandowski had at the club for the last number of years almost a decade yeah, I mean, eight years i think i think you can argue around i mean not even argue but if you look around europe and you could argue that there are very few actual 
top level strikers, strikers, right? Even, I mean, look at the money that Liverpool spent on Dar- Darwin Nunez and to call Darwin Nunez a, a number nine or, and the guy he was quote unquote replacing in Firmino, not really a typical number nine either, but let's talk numbers about Lewandowski and then we'll get to what actually he's going to be bringing to Barcelona. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So it looks like the salary is going to be around 9 million euros net per season. It was Xavi who first called him way back in February to, to kind of get this moving. And I said, you explained the Bayern part. Seems like the Bayern, I mean, the Barcelona part is just, you know, Xavi's pitch. Also what the club obviously economically can provide. Bayern are receiving 45 million euros plus 5 million in add-ons that Lewandowski will most likely hit unless one or two of those are in trophies. And then the Pini Sahazi, which is uh, Sahavi, which is, Lewandowski's agent and the Porta had a prior relationship and it seems like that was also important for negotiation. So do you think that Barcelona got a fair price for one of the best goal scorers in the world, even though he had just a year left on that deal? And in truth, though, the, the honest uh, part of that is that he, they are getting him for the next three years, unlike so many other Barcelona other transfers where they don't know where the future might hold in a year or two. So the, the other the problem would be, though, that unlike some of other the transfers, even the free transfers in Christensen and Kessier this season, there is almost no resale value at all to Lewandowski. So all of his price, that $45 million plus $5 million in add-ons and the $9 million net per season, again, that has nothing to do with future earnings from a sale of this player. This is, this is all upfront going right to him and being put into what he currently provides the club because of his resale value. Mm-hmm. We can we can go ahead and talk about resale value. We can go ahead and talk about how oh, uh, do we think Barcelona p- paid this certain number and that's a good number? Let me talk about a different number. Uh, he's one of the only players in all of Europe to score more than forty goals. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, but seven seasons in a row. Lionel Messi cannot say that. Cristiano Ronaldo cannot say that. Robert Lewandowski can. And let's include in that figure that two of those were two 50-goal seasons. One of those 
also broke a long-standing record held by the late great Gerd Muller for the most goals ever scored in a Bundesliga season. That is something that Bundesliga fans did not think was possible, especially considering that when you compare it to something like the Premier League, they play about two less games per season. So we can talk about resale value and say, oh, Barcelona is not going to be able to sell on Lewandowski. What did you buy then? You bought somebody who scores goals for a team known for scoring goals, who has not always been able to do that these last, I'd say two seasons, but especially this last season now that Messi has been plying his trade out in Paris, right? You need somebody to come in, and score goals. And that is what Robert Lewandowski does and what Robert Lewandowski does best. I can talk about later how they can best do that, but there's another thing that I think kind of goes under the radar in that Lewandowski has mostly been a player that has been on his own up top. And he has dominated that position up top by himself in Bayern's 4-2-3-1 as the one. He's been fantastic at it, right? Now he potentially can be occupying a one of two striker role with one of his oldest and best teammates in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang that he spent four years at Dortmund with. And that's going to be a very fun dynamic that I think we get to see play out, not only as Bundesliga fans from looking back on the past, but also just as Barcelona fans being able to see the the light version of what Bundesliga fans saw with Borussia Dortmund all those all those years ago. It's interesting you actually say uh, Aubameyang with Lewandowski because the expectation I think is that Aubameyang is the backup to Lewandowski. We'll have to sit on the bench for him. And it is funny that you also said all those numbers because these are the ones I have here. I mean, he'll be 34, that being Lewandowski, in a month. But at 33, he scored 50 goals and provided seven assists in 46 games last year. And when you say fair market price, right? When you talk about strikers, you're immediately just going, how much does a goal cost? And at 45 million euros, looking at his last eight years track record, you'd believe that Barca are basically paying about a million euros per goal, which, believe it or not, in world football is less than what you, sorry, it's actually a lower number per rate or whatever it is. Because I mean, even think about the Brothwaite deal, right? That was a break, you know, case of mercy or whatever. They wound up paying, I think, what, 2.8 million for every goal that Brathway scored for the club. So it's not as simple as just 1 million, right? And and the other note here is those, those minutes. He would have, that being Lewandowski, he would have been third on Barcelona last year in total minutes at 4,000, only behind Ter Stegen's 4,470 uh, 4, and Busquets' 4,415. So it's not like Lewandowski isn't uh, the only elder statesman, if you will, on Barcelona. So again, Lewandowski did score 50 goals. And as speaking of Aubameyang again, he and Memphis were tied for first for Barcelona with 13. So Barcelona's top scorers, two guys, 13, Lewandowski had 50 last year. So two-part question there is, is there any reason at all that Kules could expect any drop-off at least this season? And then part two of that is how long do you think he'd keep this up? Do you think that he can go until 37 scoring between we'll say 42 and 50 goals per season for the next three seasons. Cause obviously regardless of how much debt, regardless of anything, if Barcelona is uh, the Liga says, Hey, we can register him. You're fine. It's really frustrating. Everyone's mad at you, but you can register him and everything is good. Green light that on the debt stuff. 
and they do afford Lewandowski and say, hey, we're going to worry about the finances in the future for the next 25 years because of our TV rights, but this is what we're getting now. It seems like Lewandowski might keep up his end of the, the physical bargain by just being fit for the next three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think another thing in terms of value for goals, the last time that Robert Lewandowski did not score more goals in a season than games played in a season was 2019 when he scored 40 and 47 last year, he played in 50 and 46 and he scored 50. His best was when he scored 55 and 47 in the 2019 20 season. Right. And in terms of talking about a drop off, It's possible, but we have to consider looking back at Robert Lewandowski's statistics that he's been taking steps up and he's experiencing dropbacks in his first season. So when moving from the second division in Poland to the first division with Lech Poznan, he dropped down one goal. He scored 20 and 48 for Poznan when the year before he had scored 21 and 34. Then he took a massive step up to the Bundesliga with Dortmund and he only scored nine and 43. But that was also at a time where... Borussia Dortmund was having a lot of competition with strikers. And then in the 2014-15 season, when he first played for Bayern, he scored 25 and 49, but had three more goals in 48 games this year before. What I think this is a difference in, right? The difference between this situation and those situations are one, it's not necessarily an entirely high jump up. Right. We, we're talking about moving from the second division in an Eastern European league to the top division in an Eastern European league to a top five league. Right. Now he's going back to a top five league and he is definitely not nearly as young as he was when he moved from Poznan to Dortmund or even when he moved from Dortmund to Bayern Munich. We're talking about somebody who has consistently turned in goals at a very high clip, if not over a goal per game on average than just around a goal per game on average or 0.8 goals per game on average for the last number of seasons. And so we're talking about a player that does score a lot. Now, the only question is if Barcelona will be able to provide those number of assists to him. Because if you haven't followed Bayern Munich, I'll basically tell you what the Bayern Munich system has looked like ever since Robert Lewandowski has been around. It's involved a lot of possession. It's involved a lot of possession around the box. And it's mostly been finding ways to draw defenders away from Lewandowski or so that Lewandowski can find some space so they can hit it out to the wing and send in a cross. And a lot of times it works. A lot of times it doesn't, but a lot of times it works so much to the point that a majority of his goals have come from headers in in the last number of seasons. So the only question that I would have for Barcelona, that's not to say that Lewandowski can't be out on the break. He absolutely can be out on the break. He's quicker than, you know, his FIFA card stats say that he is. He can run. He can run, he can outpace defenders if he wants to. But his true bread and butter is off of not necessarily set pieces, but plays set up directly to get the ball up in the air so that he can put it on his head. I don't know if that's necessarily the system that Barcelona has been used to, especially considering that Lionel Messi was not the kind of player to really go out and get a whole bunch of headed goals. But whether or not Xavi is able to adapt his system to his striker 
is what we're going to have to see if we want to call this a success. And I wouldn't judge whether or not it's a success for at least another couple of seasons, considering the financial dire straits that Barcelona are in. It could very well possibly be that in November, Xavi says, hey, I think we need a certain kind of player to provide this for Lewandowski, and the board may not be able to get that for him until the next season. Well, I actually would say that I think the board was so hellbent on renewing Dembele for this very reason. I mean, Dembele has each successive year since he left Dortmund has become, well, he's finally healthy for the first time in five years since he ran to Barca, but he's arguably one of the best, just pure assist men in world football. I mean, he's, he's dynamic and he doesn't have to be concerned with, it. even with the likes of Memphis. And I mean, Fati was barely on the field last year, but between Aubameyang and Memphis, Dembele also stepped back in that role as a goal scorer at all. So I, I think with Lewandowski next to him, Dembele will not be looking to shoot in almost any capacity. And it will be all about putting that ball on the head of Lewandowski. And we go back to the Dortmund era again. If you think Aubameyang and, and Dembele was capable of something, I'm again, I think I'm excited. I mean, purely from a football sense, excited to see what Dembele plus Lewandowski is, is going to be capable. But I think Rafinha, because he cuts in a bit more from that right wing, wants to get on his left foot, is willing to take long shots. I think the Lewandowski and Rafinha learning curve might be a bit higher. And as far as Ansu Fati goes, if he is healthy and on the field on that left wing, yes, he also cuts in. But the technical skill of Ansu Fati, as far as playing one, two passes, uh, as far as creating space himself, I think that partnership is also something that is really exciting. And I don't think there is much to consider there. I think around the edges, of course, yeah, I think Lewandowski, Aubameyang, we'll see how that works out. Memphis is probably not long for the club, but yeah, I think the strike force is going to work well together. And it also allows those younger midfielders, the Gabbies, again, Nico, if he's going to supplant Busquets, not this year at all, obviously it'll be Busquets playing 45 games, but if you get some rotation, a young pivot like that, as well as Pedri, those young players are going to just have the focus. I mean, last year we had to see Pedri, he had to score more because Barca just weren't doing it. He had to get more goals going for the midfield. And then I think it's going to just put, take a lot of pressure off of any, of everybody rather. Um, so on, on the point of like styles of play between the two leagues, I, I, I've never called the Bundesliga a farmer's league here because I think the leagues are just radically different. You watch the Bundesliga, there's a bit more space. It's as far as the pace of the game, it's a bit quicker. And I think I think you and I are both subjected. I mean, you find the Bundesliga and we find the Liga. We're both subjected to the EPL narrative that they, A, have the best athletes and B, the, the best pace and the best depth everywhere and all that yada yada. But I just think the, the pace of the game in, and the space available in the Bundesliga is a bit different than that in the Liga. So quite, quite bluntly, when it comes to Lewandowski, you know, what is Lewandowski going to do in the heat when the other team is sitting in a low block with everybody behind the ball, that's A. And then B, when for the few times that Barcelona don't actually have 60% or 70% of possession in the Liga, what kind of effort is he going to put into the press? And have you seen any decline in his pressing since he turned 30? Because as again, Barca fans will know, as much as Messi and Suarez, it's hard to argue with what they did with putting the ball in the back of the net. Their last two or three seasons at the club, the pressing was here, there for Messi and for Suarez. I mean, that's why he was basically forced out because he just started taking naps on the field whenever Barca didn't have the ball. Yeah, uh, Lewandowski is perfectly capable of pressing, but this is where the difference in leagues really come in, mm -hmm. right? Ever since Jurgen Klopp took over for Borussia Dortmund, everybody in the Bundesliga has been obsessed with Gagan pressing, with right. trying to get possession back. Every single coach that has ever come anywhere close to Gagan pressing has always had his links to Jurgen Klopp pop up. 
take a look at Thomas Tuchel, for example, right? He was the coach at Mainz and then he was a coach at Dortmund, right? Those are two clubs that Jurgen Klopp was very close with and he was very close with Tuchel. Even Nagelsmann in his time bumped into enough people that were in charge of certain clubs with fantastic pressing. It was Hoffenheim. Uh, it was the assistant coaches at Dortmund and Hoffenheim and also switched at the same time. Yes, yeah. but more importantly, Ralph Ranick. Ralph Ranick is the sporting director at RB Leipzig, where Nagelsmann was a coach before Bayern Munich, really helped him to try and put a different style and a different look of press onto, uh, onto his play. And so Lewandowski is capable of pressing. Is that his prime defensive assignment? No. His prime defensive assignment is to be there to be able to receive a quick pass going forward so that he can run into space, get that ball on his foot, maybe take a touch or two, and then put forth a clinical finish. That's the best that he does. But you also have to keep in mind, right, the cast of characters surrounding him at Bayern Munich are A-plus interpreters of space and in terms of pressing. Gnabry is fantastic at pressing. Kimmich, Goretzka, Muller is fantastic at both pressing and interpreting space, right? The back line rotates a bunch, but they're pretty good at knowing where to keep a line and where to keep that defensive line high to keep people pinned back. So he's kind of used to a low block because eventually at the end of the day, that's what's going to happen. Bayern Munich in almost every single game that they play is so dominant in possession in the ways that they want the rest of the game to play that Lewandowski has been pretty used to defenses sitting in a low block. And that's where I think the crossing point needs to be brought up again because you brought up Dembele and Dembele is a great crosser, right? There are some great crossers on that team, but almost everybody at Bayern Munich learned to become a great crosser Mm -hmm. depending on whatever position it was. And what was amazing was that Bayern was so good at maintaining an awareness of where people were rotating and where their space was that you could have anybody on that field move to the wings to cross it into Lewandowski. It wasn't just... Coleman. It wasn't Gnabry. It wasn't Leroy Sané. It was Müller. It was Kimmich. It was Kimmich back when he was a right back. It's Davies. It's Pavard when he's a right back. It's, uh, you know, if they played, it would have been a role given to Nusser Masrawi. You would even see David Alaba run down the left wing, even from his left center back position, and be able to send in a cross, right? It was, it was that ability to have so many players that were able to move to the wings and whip in crosses and that's where I think this might turn out to bite people because I know that La Liga is a very good counterattacking league, a very fast counterattacking league when it comes to the wings. And I think that that might hurt if you're able, if you try to manipulate that, if Xavi isn't able to drill players well enough to get over to cover positions mm-hmm. from where players have the ball so they can move the wings to cross it into Lewandowski. Teams are going to find holes on counterattacks very, very quickly. Byron got very drilled at that, very good at doing that over the years of having Lewandowski be basically their main goal option. And that's something that Barcelona is going to have to learn. Yeah, that's really interesting you said. I was going to say that Jordi Alba is an elite crosser, as is Dembele. But the drop-off after that, you're right, is, is considerably notable. With We still have to see what Rafinha is going to do. 
and I haven't seen much crossing from Ansu because he's usually receiving. Uh, when it comes to Pedri and Gabi, I mean, they're really looking to play through balls and their crosses are more in the half space into the other half space as they are from out wide. And then, yeah, there are huge questions about Serginho Des on that on, on the right wing at the right back spot. And even if Azpilicueta were to arrive from Chelsea, he's not an elite crosser by any means at all. And not at all. Now you're talking Sergio Roberto. So again, while Alba is that elite crosser and you have, again, another elite crosser on the right side in Dembele, there is going to be space in behind Jordi Alba. And as you mentioned too, that against that counterattack, I mean, we can have a different conversation if Jules Koundé arrives to Barcelona next week, but even he is not going to be some kind of savior on the defensive side of the ball. I think he's just going to help Barcelona continue to raise the stakes of having more pressure. They're just going to become more elite when it comes to getting forward from the back all the way up through. And so to to deal with Barcelona still having a questionable defense, for which I have to admit, Bayern does not. There's there's solidity there. And to the point where they could move Kimmich from right back to midfield because you had the resources to do that. So, all right, one or two more quick things about Lewandowski here. Even though Kule is, I mean, he's been around for uh, more than a decade. We've been seeing him for anyone who watches the Bundesliga or if you tune into Champions League or if you tune into the World Cup and watch any games with Poland or uh, he basically carries that team on his back. He, by the way, is the first Polish player in Barcelona history as well to throw that in there. But so arguably his best generational skill is putting the ball in the back of the net, which is a pretty good skill. <laughs> it means you have a long, fruitful career. But what other skill will surprise kool in a good way? And then the inverse of that, what about Lewandowski's game do you think kool are going to expect is going to be uh, you know, exactly what they want and not necessarily what they want. For somebody that's a goal scoring machine, I hate to say that he's one dimensional because there are multiple different ways that he scores goals, right? He can score goals from the set pieces pretty close to the box. He's a pretty good poacher. He is got great reaction. So if like a header doesn't go his way and the ball is anywhere near his feet, he'll make that effort to go and get it. It's, it's hard to point out any, I know this is going to sound biased, but it's hard for me to point out anything negative, negative about him because he's the best FIFA player for the last like three years, of course, like he would have right. won the Ballon d'Or in 2020. I, totally he should have, he should have won the yeah. Ballon d'Or in 2020 and he yeah. should have won the Ballon d'Or in 2021. If we're being 2020, honest, sure. I'll give you 2020. Right. <laughs> right. I, I know that we'll, we'll have a debate on 2021. Yeah, yeah. But... I'll give you 2020. Certainly. Yeah. But here, here, here's really why I come down to that, right? Because he's not the most dynamic defender, right? But he doesn't have to be. He never has had to be before. So his only job has been to score goals. And for the last two, three seasons, nobody in Europe has done it better than him. So I think it's kind of hard to point out something that, that Barcelona fans would necessarily be disappointed in in his game because Could he be is a- an exceptionally hard worker and he works very hard to do what he does and he's the best in the world at it well will he, will he be willing let's say even off the field will he be willing to not to say take a sub role because obviously he's going to be the every game starter but if Xavi wants to rotate to give minutes to Obama Yang to keep him happy to occasionally put Ansu Fati in the middle to preserve his health and yes it does break my heart that Xavi has to prioritize the needs of a 19-year-old and not the 34-year-old, but that's, again, Ansu's injury history. But, I mean, is Lewandowski, is there a scenario, I guess that would be the bad way, right, the, the bad skill that he's not willing to play kumbaya in that Barca locker room? The thing is, I don't know, because Bayern Munich hasn't really had 
a striker to challenge him, right? The last time it was Mario Mandzukic and he left pretty quickly after Lewandowski came in. So there really hasn't been a player to really challenge him. Even when he was at Dortmund, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang wasn't necessarily challenging him out front. They were using Aubameyang in a myriad of roles, including out on the wing to supply Lewandowski. So if Xavi wants to actively for a number of games bench Lewandowski, I don't honestly know what that's going to be like because for every year that he's been in a Bayern uniform and for at least half of the four years that he was in a Borussia Dortmund uniform, he has been the guy. He has been the main starting striker and barring injury or suspension, he has almost always been that guy up there. So I honestly don't know what his reaction would be if he, if he wanted, if he was told that he was starting the game on the bench. I feel like I'm making this up, but I seem to remember a quote from years ago from Claudio Pizarro, who basically said, I love being the backup to Lewandowski. I don't know how many years they, they, right. I think it was like right when Lewandowski came in and like really took the job and Pizarro was like, yeah, I'm the backup. That's fine. And that yeah. was like being just a perfect partnership because of that reason that Pizarro was, uh, Pizarro completely accepted his role. That, that always helped Bayern Munich out. So speaking of helping Bayern Munich out, how can we, I, mean, I don't want to get too many Kool-Aids away from uh, to, to Bavaria, but where can people find your work and what, yeah, what's going on with Bayern Munich? And again, hopefully we don't see in Champions League, but in case we do, where can we read that? Would be, that will be a lot more interesting than the I two agree. games we're of closer. the group stage this yeah, last yeah. year. We're, we're, um, we're catching up. We're, 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 uh, I hope you see us in the rear, in the rear mirror. Exactly. Um, I think it's interesting because I just mentioned that I came back from D.C. where I watched... Sadio Mane make his debut, uh, Matthias De Ligt make his de- debut, as well as Ryan Gravenberg and Masraoui, as I mentioned before. What I saw was a Bayern team that seemed to have been starting to be drilled to be more direct. And that was something that I personally have been wanting to see from Bayern for years. I thought there, hold on to the ball pass around until you find an opening to maybe get a cross in style was incredibly boring football to watch. Did it get wins? Yes. Was it fun? Absolutely not. And now what I saw from at least this first game, right? With the usage of Gnabry and Sadio Mane and Leroy Sané, as well as Kingsley Coman and Thomas Muller was Julian Nagelsmann being open and willing to change. And that's something that I asked him in the post-game press conference. I said the day before he had said that Bundesliga teams found it pretty easy to try and defend Bayern's attacks because it was so heavily reliant on Lewandowski. And I asked, you scored six goals in a 6-2 win over DC United. Is that, and you were playing more direct. Is that because of the quality of opponent you were playing? Or was that more of what we're going to see. And he said, we're going to, we're going to have to change things. And this is probably something that we're going to see more often. We're going to be seeing Byron using the speed of their wingers, not only Alfonso Davies and Sadio Mane, but also especially from Sané and Gnabry. They're going to be a lot of movement up and down the pitch, which was actually pretty similar to the speed that we saw from Leipzig in Nagelsmann's last season. I think that that is going to be something we are going to see more often. It's not a style of play that Byron has seen a lot of before, because even before Lewandowski, the players that were there were very similar to him in that they scored a lot of headers 
with the ball of their feet inside the 18-yard box, they scored a lot too. And it wasn't just Pizarro, as you mentioned. It wasn't Mandzukic as well. It was also Mario Gomez. So this was something that they've been used to for a very long time. And to see them change it up is something that I'm looking forward to for this season. Is it going to work out? I hope so. If it doesn't, am I going to hate it? I don't necessarily think so. Systems take time to develop, but it will definitely be an interesting season to watch uh, from this point on. Yeah, certainly with all the big brands, all the big elite clubs, it feels like there is some change going on as there is this generational change as well as we're seeing. But again, part of the older generation, Lewandowski has made the player part this year. So I want to thank you, Jake, from the Bedarian Football Works for helping me answer all those questions about Lewandowski. And again, follow Jake down in the show notes and give Bedarian Football Works a follow as well. Keep up with all that work. And of course, we're on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona Pot. Delta D13 for me. You know where to find us. Patreon, YouTube, the merch store. You know where we're at for the Barcelona podcast. So most importantly, thanks so much for listening to the show. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Forza Barca. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.